Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. It's my great pleasure to invite our dear friend, Jean-Louis, whose wisdom and support we value so much, to bring the Word of God to us today, to come and minister to us. (laughs) Thank you. Good morning, everyone. One of the things I um, thought uh, when uh, Peter asked me to, to encourage you this morning, I was looking at my own life and I was actually trying to, try to discern what God would want me to encourage you with. And something that I believe God put in my heart was about challenges. Because we all go through challenges. Every single day of our life, we do tend to experience challenges. We have adversities at work, in the ministry, in our families. We do have anxieties. We do have worries. We do have things like friends' deaths or relatives who are passing away. We have, at times, depravity or lack of money, things that we cannot do. Sometimes we divorce. Our marriage is on the brink of of divorce. We have difficult relationships, and sometimes we don't even have relationships. At times we doubt, we do fear, and sometimes also sickness is very much something that, you know, shakes us. And all these kind of things are challenges that we do experience. But, you know, challenges are part of life. And there's definitely a way God expects his children to deal with challenges. He, He knows that we will go through challenges, but he expects us to, what I will call, positively react. He doesn't expect us to remove our mindset or our um, attitude as, as people, a human being, which is, tends to be fear, which tends to be anxiety, but certainly he's expecting us to rise above it. His spirit, his strength will help us to go through the challenges. So I want us today to really look at what... Um, King Jehoshaphat did, which I believe is a very good example in the Bible. And if you have your Bible, can you please open to Second Chronicles, and we'll read chapter twenty of Second Chronicles. It is a very interesting story. Um, I believe it was a, a situation in terms of the background, a situation where King Jehoshaphat is is a king, the king of Judah, a king that was really seeking after God, a king that really wanted to please God and to shy away from what his, his, his dad used to do, which is going after foreign gods. But he decided to really set his heart on seeking God. And again, at this point, you know, when we open chapter 20, we'll find out it is a situation that is critical, a big challenge for his kingdom. It is death hovering over the people of Judah because three, at least two mighty armies have decided to set themselves against Judah and to destroy them. So we want to find out what is done and how he reacted to that. So chapter 20, and I will read. It happened after the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them beside the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Azazan Tamar. 
which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout Judea. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the earth, of the nations? And in your hand is there no power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God? I will move to to verse 10. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Monsir, whom you will not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Verse 12. O our God! Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, the Levite, the son of Azab, in the midst of the assembly, and said, Listen, all you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, it's the Lord. 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. 22, no sorry, 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Tekoa and said, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. 22, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. And they were defeated. I believe this is a great, great um, example of somebody who is human. He's a king, that's fine, but he's human after all. And he's been given to lead all the people of God. And at that point, he thought he was doing what God expected him to do, which was, of course, important. But he comes with that report. People come to him and say, yes, there is a threat to your kingdom. There is a threat to our lives. This is a big challenge that the king faced at that point. And if you look at verse 3, it says, and Jehoshaphat feared. I want us to pause there and think about situations that happen to us. Challenges at times happen and we fear. But fear cripples. It prevents us from moving in the way we should. It makes us a bit, you know, unsure and uncertain. We do not know how to deal with situations. We do certainly not think about our God. Because fear is more like, you know, you start being blinded. I don't know for some of, you know, I think the medics will know when people come at the hospital and they fear greatly, sometimes you shake. You start shaking. You're not too sure. And your heartbeat is actually, you know. But it is a natural human reaction. But what is very interesting here is what was the second reaction? 
and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout Judea, throughout Judah. So that's very true. That's very important. We can fear, but we shouldn't dwell on the fear. We should move on. And that's what he did. He didn't allow the fear to cripple him. Can you believe that as a king, he gives no decision because he's afraid. He looks at situation coming to him. His armies will be defeated. He will be captured and eventually killed because fear at times make you make no, take no decision. So you've got to take decision. You've got to move, but to move according to what God wants you to do. And what he decided with all wisdom was to seek the face of God. He remembered he has a God. He remembered he has a God who is almighty. We decided to follow. And that's the point. He then separated himself and asked the people under him also to separate themselves. We need to always remember that we can separate ourselves to God. Separating ourselves to God will put us in a position where we forget about our situation. And we're actually entering in the presence of God to allow God to minister to us. The challenge will be there, but by the time we enter in the presence of God, we'll forget about the challenge. It is very important. The king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, was somebody who loved the Lord. And I believe we all love the Lord. But sometimes when things come, we are like, well, is God really with me? Is God really saying that I should go that way? Has God not forsaken me? But he knows that we will go through challenges. What is very interesting is he decided to seek the Lord himself. He set the example and proclaimed the fast throughout Judea. Verse 6 and 12 is the prayer. And, you know, you have great items, key points in that prayer. First of all, he declared the power of God. He said, God, you are the almighty ruler of all the kingdoms. That's understanding. You know, we say our God is almighty. Our God is awesome. But sometimes we fail to acknowledge it in our situations. Sometimes we fail to remember that he's awesome. He's almighty. There's nothing, none of the situation we go through can ever be too difficult for God to manage. We do tend to forget because of fear, because of the challenge. But he remembered that, and that is a very strong statement. I mean, it's a similar statement than, than what King David did when he went ahead and heard what the people, the Philistines, attacking the, his people were saying. They were despising his God. And he said, he's the God of the heavens and the earth. It's the same statement that we should stand by. Because that gives God the glory that he deserves. He then declared the impossibility for anyone to withstand God. Another thing is that the Bible says, what can man do to me if God has not said so? What can anybody, not, what can anyone do to you if God has not allowed it? And that is something that actually gave him comfort. He reminded his God of the previous miracles that he did for his fathers. So, you know what? That's a time sometimes when we've got challenges to pause, to remember what God has done for us previously, to remember how he moved in our situation previously, to remember when he upheld, upheld us, sorry, touched us, you know, took our hand and helped us to walk through the challenges we went through before. We cried out to God before, and God has answered. Why will he not answer today? He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He will always be true to his word. And therefore, he decided, look, I will stick to what I know you've done for these people, for my forefathers, and I know you will do it for me as well. 
In verse 12, he then requested intervention, God's intervention, not man's intervention. God's intervention for Judah and the judgment upon the wicked nations trying to attack them. And what is actually very, very good, King Jehoshaphat goes to God and says, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Can we admit at times we do not know what to do? Can we admit to God we do not know what to do? We haven't got a clue. This is a situation I'm facing. This is my manager that is breathing heavily upon my neck. This is the financial struggle I'm facing. This is a relationship struggle I'm facing. Lord, I do not know what to do. I'm clueless. There's no need to be superman or superwoman. It's a need to humble ourselves, acknowledge before God that he knows we don't. He sees we don't. He can help, we can't. And that's what he said. So he's actually saying to God, you know what, I prostrate and I humble myself before you so that your hand can lift me out of this situation. And that is wisdom. He did it. Then God answered Jehoshaphat. He answered his prayer and in verse 15, and I believe we know this prayer, but verse 15, the Lord told him via the mouth of a prophet, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And therefore, you need not to be afraid. Let's remember that any battle that we face is not ours to fight. Because we cannot fight it, because we are not equipped to fight it, and because some of the battles are spiritual battles which we cannot actually start fighting. It is God's remit. He say, you are my child, I will fight your battle. I will take you out of this battle. I will win it for you. And you will stand and watch and see. I, the Lord, will fight it for you. He knew at that time, speaking to Jehoshaphat, that he had probably mighty men. His army would probably have been mighty, strong, powerful, well-trained, well-equipped. But how many times have people tried to go ahead of God and fighting battles which they have been defeated for? Because they didn't wait for the Lord to intervene. God tells him, you have prayed, I've heard, and I will fight that battle. He says, you stay still. I will give you the example of um, a, a wonderful Christian brother that I do um, work with uh, in London. He works in a different company. He, he works in one of the, the biggest fund managers. He's, he's an American fund manager. And he's a manager there. He has always his heart set to evangelize. And every time he has a couple of minutes during his lunchtime, you know, goes out in the wharf and starts, you know, evangelizing, you know, talking to people about the word of God. And, you know, if you, are, if you happen to be in Canary Wharf, you can see people rushing all over the place. But the last thing that you will expect to see in their hands is a Bible. They probably have the financial time. They probably have so many things. The last thing you expect to see is a Bible, certainly not flyers, because there's so much stress. But he takes his Bible and goes and starts speaking to people. He's been there for about three to four years. And um, at some stage, he, he told me he kept on having meetings with people. And people kept on setting themselves against him. You know, trying to mess up the meeting. Trying to actually, uh, you know, put him, you, know, you don't know what you're talking about. And he never tried to retaliate. He was always very, very still. And one time, he saw that he's going for too long. He's gone on for too long. But he still decided not to fight that battle. He decided to wait on God. 
because of the economic crisis, the company decided just to retrench, you know, and they actually retrench people. But what was funny before that is manager sent him an email. His manager is the director. We send him the email and say, what's happening? In that email, you see the list of all the people for the past two, three years that have been actually sort of dismissing him, that have been talking him down, saying that he doesn't know what to do, he doesn't know how to lead meetings, and criticizing him. And he just responded to his manager, well, I don't know what they say that. All what I was trying to do was to implement something. The director left it. There is now the retrenchment, and the company retrenched, uh, I think they made about 570 people redundant. Uh, over the past month. Out of these 570 people, there were about 280 from the mailing list that have been always criticizing it, that have all been made redundant. And the only one from his group that was not made redundant is him. He was called as discoped, so he's not in the scope of the, 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 the redundancies. And he told me, I don't even know what I will do or how I will praise my God to start saying thanks. I do not rejoice because the other people has been made redundant because the Bible still tells me not to rejoice when the wicked go through things and the God deals with them. But I cannot start thanking my God. What God has demonstrated is that he fought this battle for me and won this battle for me when I didn't have to do anything. And that's what God wants to do for you. He wants you to make sure that he's able to fight and to win your battles and to take you out of these challenges because he's a God who loves you. And that is very important. Verse 17, he says, you will not need to fight this battle. Just position yourself and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. You need to stand still. When we've got challenges, let's stand still. Please remember, standing still doesn't mean doing nothing. Standing still is looking up to God, expecting God to answer, and then moving according to the direction of God. I can't say I'm standing still and I'm doing nothing. No. God wants you to stand still. It means that be, 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 be very strong. Be courageous. He told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not panic. And that's what God wants us to do. So if something is coming and you are sick or, and, and you are not feeling well, just trust that God will, will see you through. Just trust that God will remove it. Just continue to pray. Just continue to, to believe in God. But what you cannot afford to do is to do nothing. Separate yourself to God. We all need to separate ourselves to God because we need to seek the faith of God in our situation. We need to seek his direction. We need to want his word to direct us. You see, your word is a lamp unto my path. That's where we want to go. God's word will enlighten us as to where we want to go or we need to go. And then verse 20 says, So they rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in the prophet and you shall prosper. You look at Psalm, number, Psalm 1. Verse 3 is actually giving you the recipe of prosperity and success. It's telling you how to do that, to meditate on the word of God day and night. And you should prosper in all what you do. In this case, it tells you to believe in God, not believe in man. First, believe in God. And then he said, you shall be established. 
then believe his prophet and you shall prosper. I believe it is an opportunity for, for us. When we are in a church, we can believe the prophet of God. We can believe the man of God that God has appointed to direct us. Because if Peter comes and tells me something that God has revealed to him, who am I to turn it down? Who am I to say that, no, I don't want to hear that? Maybe God is answering my situation. Maybe he's actually going to give me an advice that will take me through that challenge. But we need to believe God. He said that without faith it is impossible to please him. It is, let's not even be deceived. If we doubt, we will not receive. So it is all good to separate ourselves. But sometimes, let's just make sure that the motive for which we separate ourselves is not to squeeze the end of God, but it's because we implicitly trust him. And he will do it for us. 22, they began to sing. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Monsir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. And they were defeated. And I think that is actually very, very interesting. They started praising God in front of their challenges. You know, at that time, the battle wasn't won. When they started singing, the battle wasn't won. So when you have a challenge and you decide that, you know, I can't actually open my mouth to praise my God because fear, because anxiety, because I'm feeling unwell. But God is telling you, by the time you praise, I will actually start moving on your behalf. Praise takes you in another dimension. Ask the worship leaders. They will tell you what it means to praise God. What it means to praise God, it is a delight for him. It comes as a sweet-smelling aroma unto him. And he started moving when they started praising. Praise God in your situation. Because praising God, it means that you rejoice and you know that the God that you serve, the God that you praise, is still the very strong God that is with you. Praise him. You know, in Habakkuk 70, he says that no matter what happens, I shall still praise my God. God gave them victory. God gave them victory because he delighted in their praise, because he saw that they separated themselves to him, because he saw that they, they were obedient. Let's just take time to separate ourselves. That, again, is very key. It's very important that we, we understand that we need to separate ourselves. God has said that, you know, we need to call unto him and he will answer us. Learn to call unto God. Whether you see or whether you don't see, let's still continue to call unto God. Because, behold, God has never forsaken the righteous. He's never, ever forsaken the right, And he will not forsake you. He will not forsake me. He's the God that we serve. And I want us to look at the fact that sometimes we have situations that really, really will frustrate us. But you know what? If they frustrate us, it's not for us to, to really try to to complain. It's not for us to, to continue to, to look at the situation. We need to see with the eyes of faith beyond the situation, not with the walls and limitations that we see. Paul and Silas were in prison. They saw bath, they saw all these kind of things. You know, they, they didn't stop rejoicing. They didn't stop praising God. They were, you know, I mean, being in prison, they couldn't carry on with the ministry. Sometimes you think that that's the end of it. You know, this is a hurdle. I can't, I can't overjump it. I can't can't go further. <laughs> but you need to continue to praise. We need to continue to, to trust that you are still 
in the plan of God. I think you mentioned some time ago um, in, in one of your messages that, you know, um, the Virgin and in the Jesus Christ when he was coming, Joseph and Mary were still in the will of God, although they went in the manger, you know, they were still couldn't find, they couldn't find a inn. They couldn't find an hotel to stay in, a five-star, but they were still in the will of God. When you go to challenges, it doesn't mean you are not in the will of God. It means that God might actually want to refine you, or it means that God might want to, to glorify himself through your situation. It means also that God might want to actually, you know, sort of test your faith. The testing of your faith will produce perseverance. Maybe God wants you to actually be stronger, because he knows that what is coming ahead might be a stronger challenge. So if you fail at the first hurdle, God does not want you to fail because he said the race is long. He's concerned by our race of life, not just a little you know, battle that we can, we can fall. We've all fallen. We've all been panicky and, and, and challenged. You know. We have all feared. But God wants us to you know, step up and go to the next side and to walk with him. He said, when you go through water, there I will be with you. The rivers, they will not overflow you. And that is according to the word of Isaiah. That's the God that we serve. So he knows that we will go through these, these waters and these rivers, but he knows ultimately you will be victorious because in all, in God, we are more than conquerors. That's the God that we serve. We are more than conquerors. It's not just written in the Bible. It's written so that we believe and so that we can act as people who are victorious in our Father. Amen. I want us to think also about the fact that from time to time when we have situations that are you know, fearsome, situations that are difficult to handle, you know, we tend to rush decisions. We tend to rush our decision making because we need to answer now. It is now or never. Let's look at Daniel. Let's look at just the example of Daniel. Daniel, there was a decree that was set upon them. And it was said upon them that all the wise men, Nebuchadnezzar, was wicked and decided that, look, you can't tell me my dream, that's fine. But all what will happen, I will kill all you who are calling yourself wise men. And one of the things you need to realize is that Daniel was a wise man. Daniel and his friend were wise. So they were still, they had the death threat upon them. But if you look at Daniel 1 and 2, you'll find out what Daniel did. The Bible says that God gave them wisdom, 10 times more wisdom than those who were there. But with the wisdom he gave Daniel, and I believe as a child of God, you will have the wisdom that God wants you to have. Daniel didn't panic. He said, okay, the king has taken his decision, but Daniel decided to go and speak to the general of the king, who was going to kill them and say, explain to me again, what is the decision of the king? And when he explained to him again, Daniel himself went to the king Nebuchadnezzar and asked for more time. He didn't rush. He asked for more time. At that time, I'm not sure he knew that God will reveal things to him. But he knew that his God will come true for him. And that's what it took. That confidence it, that confidence it took to go to, go to the king and say, look, I know you've made your decree and you sign it, you put your signet, it's, it's final. But you know what? Give me more time. He didn't boast, I will do that. He said, just give me more time. Tell your situation, give me more time to go and seek my God. Just what you need to tell your situation, more time for me to seek my God. By the time God gave him more time and the, 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 the king agreed, the Bible doesn't recall when, but God revealed the dream of the king to Daniel. He didn't say when. It could have been two days after, 
a week later, six months later, we don't know. God did reveal it to the king, to, to Daniel, and he went, spoke to the king, and then God, you know, it's funny. God does something and we get, we get, we get the credit. And then he started getting promoted, started getting all the presents, and being elevated in the kingdom. He didn't do anything just to ask for more time. Let's go and ask or tell our situation we need more time. I'm not going to rush my decision. I'm not going to make a mistake because I'm being pushed to. I'm going to allow God to minister to me. I'm going to seek the face of my God. And through that, I will actually do what I need to do. You see, there is a, uh, uh, there is a very big um, a downside of not actually giving more time. And that is going and doing something that is not expected from God. God does not expect us to, to go against his will. You look at the story of King Saul. It's exactly the way he lost the kingdom. He couldn't wait for the man of God, the prophet Samuel, to come back to him. And he allowed the challenge, he allowed the situation to make him panic and himself to offer sacrifices unto God, which were against what God has told him. Samuel told him, wait for me to come back. But he decided himself, I can't wait for him to come back. I'm in a critical situation there. You know what? I'm dying. I, I need to go. I need to offer that to my God and go ahead. And the Bible recalls that from that time, God decided to give the kingdom away. Took the kingdom away from King Saul. So let's not rush. It's difficult. It's hot. But God make, make it cool down for us. Let's not rush. Let's just... Seek God. That's all we need to do. Seek him. Seek him diligently. In all we do, acknowledge him. Do not lean on our own understanding. Let's acknowledge God in our situation, even the bad one, even the tasteless one. Let him move. Sometime, again, fear makes us run. We have the example of Elijah. who ran away from Jezebel, just word of man. She, he ran away from it, and went to hide in caves. When he seen the, the power of his God move in the land. When he seen God using him mightily. And that's it. Sometimes you can actually have accomplished something very great for God. And somebody says something. And it unravels your feet. And it shakes you. And it makes you becoming a bit edgy. The word of man. The word of the mouth. Can actually undo. And attack your feet. The way you cannot even expect it. But God asked us to actually have an armor, which is to trust in him. He went to speak to his, his, his prophet and say, where are you hiding? Oh, well, I'm in a cave. Why don't you come out of the cave? Why are you hiding? Because, okay, you know, I've been threatened. All your prophets are being killed in the land. Sometimes you'll find your situation is really threatening you. It doesn't mean you need to run away. Don't run away from your God. Let him handle it. And just what I wanted to conclude with is reading Psalm 34. 17 and 19 are particularly interesting. Because what it says is, Psalm 34, 17 says that the righteous, we the righteous, we the ones that have been made right by accepting Christ Jesus in our lives, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. He didn't say out of some of their trouble. He didn't say out of just one, out of all their trouble. But he started with the righteous cry out. So we need to cry out to God. 
it is never enough to cry out to God. God will never say, stop crying, stop praying, stop seeking, my, stop seeking me. He will never say that. Just cry out to God. And he say, ask until you receive. Continue to knock. Continue to seek. Then verse 19 says, Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So you might actually be going through so many tough situations. And that's life. You might be going through it and you might not know how to handle that. And that's life. But again, you have somebody on the throne. Somebody will say, look, I've written you on the palms of my hand. And I know what you are going through. And I know you and I've called you by name. Somebody will tell you that he knows even that the very hair on your head are counted. That's the God that we serve. And he's saying, do not fear. Let's do what King Jehoshaphat decided to do. We can fear, but hey, 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 we have a God. And by the time you seek God, and by the time you separate God, separate yourself to God, he will overcome on your behalf. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye